the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. The gospel had spread to the regions of Judea and Galilee and throughout the nation of Israel. Local churches had begun to spring up. Even some Samaritans had received Christ. But sadly, while the gospel had made inroads into the lives of thousands of Jewish people, these same Jewish people had neglected to tell Gentiles the message of salvation in Christ so that the Gentiles were still ignorant as to how to be saved from their sins. And the primary reason for this neglect of telling Gentiles the way of salvation was due to the failure of the leadership of the church at Jerusalem, namely the apostles. You see, being Jewish, each of the apostles had been raised to believe that Gentiles were unclean and that to associate with a Gentile, they felt would result in them being spiritually tainted and contaminated and infected. And so for 10 years, while the gospel was making great advances into the hearts of Jewish people, the Gentiles remained in spiritual darkness and ignorance because Jewish believers following the lead of the apostles wouldn't get close enough to any Gentile to tell them about Christ. But all that changes when we come to Acts chapter 10 because it's here that God through a very special vision teaches the apostle Peter that he is not to look upon Gentiles as unclean. to Verse by Verse with Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We are studying Acts chapter 10, where we read that the gospel first came to the Gentiles, and they entered the body of Christ as equals with their Jewish brethren. But what a struggle it was for them to get there. By the time we come to chapter 10, it's been about 10 years since Jesus commissioned the apostles to be his witnesses in Jerusalem Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In those 10 years, thousands of Jewish people in the city of Jerusalem had heard the gospel, and many chose to follow Christ. However, the Christians had not yet gone to the Gentiles until Acts chapter 10. This has been a fascinating study that has shown us God worked to bring the first Gentiles into the church. Now, with today's verse-by-verse, here is Steve Kreloff. Many years ago, when Michelle and I were engaged to be married, I was told that some Christian friends of Michelle's grandparents questioned whether it was right for someone who was Jewish to marry a Gentile. Now, these people knew that we were both believers in Christ, but they still had some reservations about it being biblically correct 
for a Jewish person to marry a Gentile. And frankly, when I heard what they said, it greatly disturbed me because at that time in my life, I didn't know if they were right or wrong. I was a relatively new Christian, and I really didn't know what the Bible taught about this whole issue. In fact, I was so disturbed by this, I made an appointment with the president of the Bible college we were attending, and I asked for his counsel. And I'm so very thankful that he gave me good counsel. He gave me wise counsel. He gave me biblical counsel by telling me that in Jesus Christ, it makes absolutely no difference what our ethnic or racial background is. He told me very clearly, he told me very firmly that a Jewish believer in Christ and a Gentile believer in Christ were free to marry each other. And I went, And that was the plain teaching of Scripture. Now, today, looking back at that incident, I think what an absolute shame that these friends of Michelle's grandparents, who were, I might add, seasoned veteran Christians, were so ignorant of such an important biblical truth. What an absolute shame that was. They really should have known better. But at the same time, it makes me realize that if after 2,000 years of having the New Testament, there are some Christians like these people who are still unaware of what God has to say about Jews and Gentiles being equals in the body of Christ, how much more was it a challenge for the early Christians to understand and grasp this concept? And that's why, folks, it's so important for us as we go through Acts chapter 10 to comprehend the truths of this chapter. We've been studying it for several weeks, but I remind you, it's in Acts chapter 10 where we read that the gospel first came to the Gentiles and consequently they first entered the body of Christ as equals with their Jewish brethren. But what a struggle it was for them to get there. As I told you the last time we studied Acts, by the time we come to chapter 10... It's been about 10 years, 10 years since Jesus commissioned the apostles to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, meaning the regions where Gentiles lived. And during these 10 years, the apostles had been very zealous and they've been very bold in proclaiming Christ with the result being that thousands of Jewish people in the city of Jerusalem had heard the gospel and many responding to it so that a large church of thousands of people was established in Jerusalem. Also, the gospel had spread to the regions of Judea and Galilee and throughout the nation of Israel. Local churches had begun to spring up. Even some Samaritans had received Christ. But sadly, while the gospel had made inroads into the lives of thousands of Jewish people, these same Jewish people had neglected to tell Gentiles the message of salvation in Christ so that the Gentiles were still ignorant as to how to be saved from their sins. And the primary reason for this neglect of telling Gentiles the way of salvation was due to the failure of the leadership of the church at Jerusalem, namely the apostles. You see, being Jewish, each of the apostles had been raised to believe that Gentiles were unclean and that to associate with a Gentile, they felt would result in them being spiritually tainted and contaminated and infected. And so for 10 years, while the gospel was making great advances 
into the hearts of Jewish people, the Gentiles remained in spiritual darkness and ignorance because Jewish believers following the lead of the apostles wouldn't get close enough to any Gentile to tell them about Christ. But all that changes when we come to Acts chapter 10 because it's here that God through a very special vision teaches the apostle Peter that he is not to look upon Gentiles as unclean. And soon after this vision, through a series of divinely orchestrated events, Peter finds himself in the city of Caesarea, standing before the family and friends of a Gentile Roman centurion named Cornelius. And they're all eager. They're all waiting for Peter to open his mouth and to tell them about salvation. Now, as you'll recall, the way that Luke constructed Acts chapter 10 is that he presented it as a series of various scenes, all culminating in the conversion of these Gentiles. Having already looked then at the first four scenes in previous messages, this morning we have arrived at the fifth scene where we will hear, at least begin to hear Peter proclaim the gospel to these Gentiles. And listen, although there's nothing new in Peter's gospel presentation that you haven't really heard before, what he has to say is vitally important for us. Before I get into the text, I want to just tell you why this, what Peter has to say, is so very important and beneficial for us to hear and to understand. There are two basic reasons. First of all, because historically, this is it. This is where we get the first glimpse of the wonderful truth that's further explained and clarified in the New Testament letters that Gentiles can be saved just like Jews by placing their trust their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Now, you may say, well, tell me something I don't know. This doesn't seem all that significant. And the reason is because you're so used to, and so am I, where Gentiles have been believing in Jesus Christ for their salvation for over 2,000 years. But in the early church, it was a brand new truth that both Peter and Paul found themselves fighting for, vehemently fighting for, and vehemently defending. See, there were many Jewish people in the early church who adamantly opposed this view of Gentile salvation by grace, because they believed that if a Gentile wanted to become a Christian, they were fine with that. That was great. That was fine, as long as he first became a Jew. And what they meant by this was that this Gentile, in addition to believing in Jesus Christ for their salvation, had to also commit themselves to keeping the Mosaic law, particularly the right of circumcision for male converts. Now, this was a serious attack on the very heart of the gospel, which is that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. And that any addition to grace by the works of the law or any kind of human effort was tantamount to the highest form of heresy. And that's why Paul, when he wrote the Galatians, which is his strongest letter, he wrote so powerfully to them because these Galatian Gentile Christians were being influenced by false teachers who were insisting that they keep the Jewish law in order to be saved. Notice how fierce Paul was with these Galatians. He was not like this with any other congregation. But the gospel is at the heart of this. The preservation of the gospel. Listen to what he said, chapter 1, verses 6 through 9. 
I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel. He called it a different gospel, which is really not another. Only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he's to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again, and he's saying this for emphasis, he's being emphatic. If any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, he is to be accursed. Paul's entire letter to the Galatians is an impassioned plea for them to reject this erroneous teaching because it was a violation, it was a distortion of the highest order of the message of the gospel, which is based on grace and faith in Christ and not law keeping at all. Notice how clear Paul was in refuting this error. Galatians 2 verse 16. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. You can't be clearer than that. By the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Paul couldn't have made it any clearer than this. Whether Jewish or Gentile Justification is by faith alone in Christ without any addition of law keeping. This, folks, is the universal truth of the gospel of grace, and it is applicable to all. But in spite of how clear Paul was, some Jewish people in the early church were quite insistent on Gentiles keeping the law as necessary, they said, for salvation. And so the very first church council, which was held in the city of Jerusalem, was held for the purpose of debating this very issue. And not surprising, it was Peter, the man who was the first witness of Gentiles being saved, who gave the clearest defense of their salvation by grace. Acts chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, open this way. Some men came down from Judea. Now, where did they come down? Let me just interject this. They came down to the church in Antioch where Paul and Barnabas were teachers. So some men came down from Judea and they began teaching the brethren. So they began teaching this church. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had great dissension and debate with them, the brethren determined that Paul and Barnabas and some others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders concerning this issue. So Paul and Barnabas are defending this. The church says, go to Jerusalem, see what the apostles, the elders have to say. So now the scene shifts to Jerusalem. We go to verse 5. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it's necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. The apostles and elders came together to look into this matter after there had been much debate. Now watch this. Peter, our Peter from Acts 10. Peter stood up and said to them, brethren, You know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God who knows the heart testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit just as he also did to us. And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. 
Now therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing upon the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear? But we believe that we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they are also. So Peter unequivocally states that Gentiles are saved exactly the same way that Jews are saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ apart from any law keeping and human effort. So what we're going to see today at least the beginning of this passage, as we get into the preaching of the gospel by Peter to Cornelius and his circle of Gentile friends and family, it's quite significant because it establishes right from the very beginning of Gentiles being converted to Christ, the biblical non-negotiable truth that Gentiles don't need to become Jews in order to be saved. And folks, although this issue is seldom thought of anymore in the context of Jews and Gentiles, in principle, this continues to be the most important and the most controversial religious issue of all time. Why? Because it is the question of what constitutes the way that people are made right with God. That's really the issue. In other words, it is the issue of the truth of the gospel being by grace and not by works because Christ death on the cross, and this is what it comes down to. Christ's death on the cross was sufficient to save people. There's nothing we can add to it. Nothing. And it is the truth that we continue to defend today and we fight for today. This is why Jude in his little letter starts off by telling us we are to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. This is the faith. And we fight for it. The reformers certainly contended for the faith and it cost many of them their lives. Why did they contend for the faith? Because the Roman Catholic Church rejected it and they continue to reject the message of salvation by grace for a gospel of human effort and works. And listen, every time you share the gospel with a self-righteous religious person, you are contending for the faith. You are contending for the gospel of grace, which they are opposing. And some of you have had to contend for the gospel of grace within your own family because you have family members and relatives who hold to a works-based salvation. So this is not a minor issue. This is not some irrelevant sidebar. It is the issue of salvation by grace as opposed to salvation by works. And here in Acts chapter 10, we see the clear teaching that Gentiles are saved by God's grace alone through faith in Jesus Christ alone. The second reason Peter's proclamation of the gospel to Cornelius and his family and friends is so significant is because it gives us insight as to what the apostles actually believed was the gospel message. In other words, it tells us the content of what we call the gospel, the message of salvation, what the apostles shared when they had the opportunity to share with somebody about salvation. What did they share? That's what we're going to learn today. It's important for us to be aware of this because you and I need to know what it is we are supposed to actually tell people if we have the opportunity to present Christ to them. I'm always amazed when I hear people who have been Christians for a long time. And yet they'll say, but I don't know what to say to somebody about Christ. I don't know how to explain the gospel to a lost person. Well, listen, pay attention to sermons. (laughs) Pay attention to sermons and you'll learn. 
take notes, figure it out. If that's your situation, you're not sure, then what we're going to study today should help you because we're going to see today and the next time we study this how Peter explained the gospel to these Gentiles. And what stands out as I've been studying this and I've been thinking about this, what stands out about Peter's gospel presentation is that while he tells them all the theological truths that they need to know to be saved, there is a beautiful simplicity in what he says. And what I mean by that is that there is no attempt on Peter's part to try to redo or adjust the gospel to make it sound more appealing, more impressive to Cornelius and his powerful military friends. Peter is just faithful to proclaim the message of salvation without tampering with it by trying to spruce it up to look more attractive to the secular mind. Folks, that's critical for us to understand and to embrace and take to heart because it is very tempting for all of us that when we share the gospel with others, it is very tempting to take the simplicity of it out by trying to make the message sound more intellectual and more sophisticated so that we don't sound like simpletons and religious quacks to our friends and people we're speaking to. But when we do this, Not only do we fail to be faithful to the Lord and to his gospel, but we remove the power of God from the very message. Listen to what Paul had to say about this, because the Apostle Paul faced a very similar situation when he came to the city of Corinth, and he found himself before the Corinthians, who were steeped in Greek philosophy and man's wisdom. Listen to what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 25. I love this. Paul said, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. And the cleverness of the clever I'll set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews seek for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews as stumbling blocks and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Now listen, essentially, essentially what Paul is saying in these verses is that God, in his wisdom, decided that men could never come to know him through their own wisdom. Never. No matter how bright they are. Never could they come to know him through their own wisdom. The only way they could come to know him was through the preaching of the simple message of the cross of Christ, which to them, Paul said, sounded foolish, nonsensical. And Paul knew that. Paul knew that this is how most of the people in the city of Corinth would react to his preaching. In their sinful pride and their arrogance, they would deem the Apostle Paul and his message of the cross as just foolish, as just silly. 
And so he had a decision to make when he came to the city of Corinth. Was he going to try to impress the Corinthians with polished speech that made the gospel sound more appealing to their philosophical minds? Or was he going to trust God to save people by preaching the simple message of the cross and risk sounding foolish and non-intellectual? Well, in the opening verses of chapter 2, he tells us what he decided to do. He writes, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or of wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God, for I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. On our verse-by-verse program today, Pastor Steve took us on a little trip to Acts chapter 15, where Peter clearly stated that Gentiles and Jews were both saved by faith alone in Jesus Christ, apart from any law-keeping and human effort. There is a biblical, non-negotiable truth that Gentiles don't need to become Jews in order to be saved. We don't come across this issue very often anymore, but this principle continues to be very important. How are sinful people made right with God? Well, there's only one answer. Christ's death on the cross is sufficient. There is nothing we can add to it or should add to it or, well, try to add to it. And it is the truth that we continue to defend today. I praise God for what happened in Acts chapter 10, and I've been blessed as we have studied it more deeply. Please join us for the next verse by verse as we study how the gospel first came to the Gentiles. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.